Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 19 of the Two Pad Stack Podcast. Two Pad Stack is brought to you in partnership with Prime Dime Productions and our friends at SeatGeek. As a reminder, you've heard it many times before, but use promo code 2 Stack Pod. That's two, the number, P-A-D-S-T-A-C-K-P-O-D, to save $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Um... A lot of people have already taken advantage of that, and uh, I think you should too. Anyways, we have a great episode for you today. We have a fun interview, talking about some tech, talking about some Bobby Orr merch and swag, and recapping the Bruins. Um, as always, I'm your host, Aaron Ace Chisling, and our wonderful co-host, Eric Burgess, is with us. How's it going, Burge? Oh, it's going, you know. Going through the motions, had some awesome hockey to watch this past weekend. Depending on how you want to look at it, some close games. It's nice to watch. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, can you believe we're in December already, dude? I after Thanksgiving was getting my Christmas tree up and getting all the stuff down from the attic, making six, seven trips to the attic on a ladder that's we think is ready to break. So I'm scared for my life every time I'm climbing into that oh my attic. God. An absolute disaster up there. It's too much stuff, and I see all the decorations I got to bring down. But yeah, I cannot believe it is December. We are recording on the fourth. We are three weeks away from Christmas. Episode drops on the fifth, yeah. and we're only one day ahead of the episode today, guys. Let's so go. We're not going to be uh, dropping like antiquated old knowledge. No, <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. Like I on the house that we bought in, like I think we bought the house in like 2017, right? And we have a big detached two car garage. And above the garage, there's some sort of area, but there's the old nasty like attic stairs to get up there. And I pulled it down once and I looked up there and it looked like there was a bunch of stuff that the previous owner was storing that I don't think he ever removed. But I tried stepping on that. I'm not a little guy. I'm not a I'm not a I'm giant not guy either, <laughs> but but I'm not a little guy. And I put one foot on that set of stairs. And I was like, this thing is coming down. Like, there's no way I am going to get up there. So I could be sitting on like millions of dollars stored up there. I've had this house for like eight years. I've never even gone up there once <laughs> because the last thing I want to do is get up there and fall to my death by going up like eight feet. It's uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it, it's not my cup of tea. Dude, I hear you. And I've been slacking on replacing mine because the bottom step is completely missing. So I have to like, launch myself up on like one step and today i stepped on it and i heard it crack i was like "Uh oh luckily it didn't break but trying to get up there and then hauling all the weight down i mean christmas is probably the most decorations that we have to bring oh, down yeah. i mean halloween's a big big uh holiday in in our house here so we have a lot of that but it's a lot of small little decorations like yeah christmas we got the christmas village we got the christmas tree we get all the ornaments it's I, I tomorrow tomorrow on when this episode drops, I will be outside on my house hanging lights, and I absolutely hate getting on the ladder and hanging lights because I'm terrified for my life. Fun story about ladders: when I was painting the, I have a split level house, and I was painting the stairwell where where it is, and I had you know one of those gorilla ladders so you could have the legs of the ladder on one step and at the top of the step, and the thing slipped out. And I went right down. Oh. Luckily, I landed right on my ass, so it didn't really hurt. I mean, it hurt, but like I didn't hurt myself. Could have been much worse. My wife's sitting there, like instead of being like, "Oh my god, honey, you okay?" She's she laughing her ass rolling off, rolling on the ground, <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, 
I'm okay. <laughs> Thanks for checking on me. Thanks for checking on me. I, I can't lie. I, like, I'd be like, I'd be laughing saying, are you okay? If I saw somebody do that. Yeah, but dude. Ever since then, dude, ladders and me, like I am, I always have this, like, I'm not terrified of it, but I have a thought in the back of my head that I'm going to wipe out. And if I wipe out outside my house, it's a lot further of a fall than it is in my stairwell. And, oh uh, yeah, dude. A lot then... less forgiving, a lot less forgiving. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I'm fortunate. Like we have never been like super into like outdoor decorations. Like we don't, we're, we're, we're kind of a family that keeps to ourselves. Like we don't really want to invite attention from outside mm -hmm. people. Um, like we, we will decorate inside the house. Like our Christmas tree is already up and everything. Mm -hmm. And it happened while I was at the brewery, I came home and the tree was up and then the lights were on and everything Lucky was decorated. You. Uh, yeah. But, um, I'm very fortunate of the fact that I don't have to go outside and hang up lights. I think I, I would complain profusely if I had to do that. Um, luckily it's not too cold out there right now for you. Mm -hmm. So you can still get out there and not freeze your ass off mm -hmm. while you're putting up Christmas lights. Um, but whenever I... she tells me, she's like, I need you to go up there and clean the gutters. Like, oh my God. I don't want to do that. Like, I'm like, honestly, the one thing that I'm the most terrified of in life, like the one thing I have a terror of is heights <laughs> and climbing up that ladder i have a split level too like I'm, I'm i'm like i'm the man of the house i can't be a big bitch about this like i can't i can't do that like i'm not gonna make my wife climb the ladder yeah but i'm up there and i'm hating my life every second mm -hmm. that i'm up there and yeah it's not great and then i have to like pull the nastiest smelling foul shit out of the gutters yeah but hey at that least i don't have to hang up christmas lights Hey, I mean, we we're pretty subtle about it. We just hang lights around the front of the house, put a couple things in the yard. It's not like anything crazy. Halloween's a big one. We put a lot of stuff out for Halloween. My neighbors go completely all out. They're the ones that, you know, have given Home Depot all the money for those plastic skeletons and all that. Dude, their 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 front yard is a maze of skeletons. It's unbelievable. It's great to look at from from like my perspective, like from my as a neighbor being able to look at oh, that's pretty cool. And people stop by their house. They'll stop by, take pictures and stuff. I'm like, I don't want oh, that yeah. with my house. Just something nice and subtle, some lights. That's that's all I need to do. That's that's all I need. It's I nice to the, look at for me. The guy that invented the projector for decorations, he's got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. But you don't even need to go hang anything. You just like put something in your yard. You plug it in with an extension cord, and bang. Yep. You've got yep. you've got Christmas decorations. Like that's <laughs> that's my style of decor right there. Although Absolutely. I definitely am driving by. And I see somebody that was meticulous in the way that they hung up their lights. I'm like, that looks nice. And then I drive by with somebody like a high-end projector. I'm like, you're a lazy fuck. <laughs> that would be you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Like, that would be me. That's what I would do. Like, I, I would be like uh, the Grinch out there. And I, you know, I thought about stealing it. But hey, I'm just kidding. I would not do that. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. Like, it, it's starting to feel like uh, the holiday season here. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, it all starts with how... Um, not halloween thanksgiving right yep and uh we've already had a couple of storms like just yesterday we had another you know mixed precipitation mm -hmm. but we had um like where we it's really weird like in rochester i don't know if it's because there's a lake right next to where we live but like we always get like an inch extra snow than what everywhere else in town gets so i got home after work and oh my god, you're gonna get a kick out of this. I'm gonna go on a tangent here, but I get home after work and there's like snow at our house. There's nowhere else in town snow. I was like, all right, that's fucking weird. But um, the whole point of that is that, and the tangent I mentioned to you is, I uh, so I, I bought that new car. I told you about my new car, right? Yes. 
So I got the the EV, and it's got all the tech in it. It's got rain-sensing windshield wipers, right? So I've been driving this new car down to the Bruins games back and forth, and uh, I, I decided because I'm going down to Boston back and forth on the highway that I don't really want my new car to be dirty. So I signed up for a car wash, like the subscription, um, unlimited washes. Yep. And uh, my stupid ass, I go into the car wash, and uh, guess what? The car realizes that there's water on the windshield, and the windshield wipers start going off. <laughs> oh, no. So the oh, windshield no. wipers are going fucking crazy as I'm going through the automated car wash, and the roller goes over the front of my car's windshield and just mangles the shit out of my windshield wipers. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't say I've ever had that happen. So I've got my brand new car, and I can't even drive it right now because the weather was garbage, and I would need to use my windshield wipers, and I currently do not have operational windshield wipers. Did it just destroy the wiper or did it destroy, like, the motor of the wiper? So the motor's fine, thankfully, but it was That's like good. the um, the arm, the housing assembly was all twisted up. Oh, so they had to go back to the bolt and redo the whole housing. It wasn't just the wipers that needed to be replaced. Oh, that's brutal. Like the the aluminum arms that hold them were were all. Oh. there's no way to override that in the car to have them like. There is. I was just so fucking. And nobody ever like sits you down. And is like all right. Just in case you want to go into a car wash, this is what you got to do. Nobody, I like, I was just going on autopilot. You know, I've done car washes before. You put it in neutral, you know, you make Close sure the windows. Break it. Yeah, it's like basic shit here. But as soon as that water hit the front of the car, it's like, whoop, whoop. I was like, oh no. I tried to stop it in time and I couldn't. So yeah, yeah. The uh, the service department's like, oh yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be 70 bucks to fix that. It's like, oh. Uh, at least it wasn't the motor. At least the motor didn't get fried. Yeah, no kidding, <laughs> no kidding. Anyways, um, but yeah, it's it's great here. We're uh, we're enjoying the uh, the holiday season here in uh, New Hampshire. I, I'm glad you guys are as well. Later on in the episode, um, like I said, I kind of alluded to it already. We're gonna have a uh, a really awesome interview with the uh, co-founder of the Pastel Network, which is a company that does um really cool digital collectibles and specifically they're doing a collection with bobby Orr right now called the bobby Orr collection um and they're pairing nfts with um actual experiences with bobby Orr for fans and physical merchandise like signed memorabilia and stuff so if you guys have ever been thinking about getting into the whole um, digital trading world um it's a great opportunity you can combine hockey with that type of stuff um at a very affordable level and uh yeah we'll we'll we've got a great interview to kind of go into all that stuff with you and you know i'm excited to diving into that stuff i've never done it before and uh this is definitely the first time i'm going to do it yep same with me yeah the interview was fantastic learned a lot and like you said i've never dove into any of this any of this is all foreign to me even when it was big when it first came out and the way the way they explained it makes it so easy. So looking forward to uh, you guys getting to listen to, to that interview here at the end of the episode. For more context into what the Bobby Orr collection is all about, here's a quick breakdown for you. NHL Hall of Famer and Boston Bruins legend Bobby Orr is teaming up with artist Paul Gerben and the Pastel Network to unveil the Bobby Orr collection, which is a tribute to Bobby's fans and his illustrious NHL career. 
Uh, this collection includes digital trading cards, limited edition artwork, and more, offering fans exclusive experiences such as one-on-one video calls and signed memorabilia. The inaugural release, or 1444 deck, features unique digital trading cards of Bobby Orr with varying rarity, redefining the term limited edition. To snag your piece of history, ensure you're first in line by signing up for early access at our exclusive link in our Twitter bio. Early access registration ends on December 14th, so be sure to sign up before then. Again, sign up at that exclusive link within our Twitter bio. The collaboration showcases Orr's iconic moments, such as his Stanley Cup winning goal uh, dive in 1970, through large-scale artworks, desktop sculptures, and life-size statues. The collection was designed by Paul Gerben, known for his work at the intersection of fine art and Web3. Gerben's collectors include celebrities like Jimmy Fallon, Pink, Barack Obama, and Tommy Hilfiger. To stay updated on the Bobby Orr Collection, follow at Orr Collection on Twitter or X and visit www.bobbyorr.io for more information. Yeah, Anthony was great. It was a perfect combination of technical knowledge, um, although when he called uh, good hockey seats courtside, I laughed a I, little bit. Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. He's not a big hockey guy. We'll get him there maybe one day. Anyways, um, in the world of the Boston Bruins and the eight spoke B, um, have a little bit of stuff to go over in the last week. Good things. So, you know, the Bruins have turned it around. The slump is over. Bruins are on a three game winning streak again, which is good, but it doesn't come without its blemishes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that issue of uh, blowing leads, it's rearing its ugly head again. Um, Burge, what do you think is the reason why the Bees just can't seem to close out a game with a minute left and one goal lead? I don't think you can point to any singular thing that's causing it. I think it's it's just a, a thing that's going on in the locker room right now that they really need to get back to almost get back to the basics where you're playing with a lead late in a game. We're talking in the last minute or two of a game and they just need to get back to the basics of being able to clear the puck out and defend your net and protect that at all costs. And seeing the game against Toronto on Saturday was a tough, tough watch in that because they did jump out to an early lead in that game. They blew the lead and then they get, they go up again, three, two, and then, Four seconds, I think it was like four point six seconds left, something like that. They they give up the goal that ties the game. Now, granted, they did they did prevail in overtime, uh, which was it's irrelevant. It is irrelevant because I mean you you, you can't continue to, to have these problems and expect the results to continue. Yes, they they closed this one out earlier in the season against Anaheim. They didn't close it out, and there's gonna be situations this year where it's going to, it's going to happen again. Like I, I posted it on Twitter after the game. I'm like, is this going to be this team, this 2023, 24 Bruins identity at the end of the season? Is this going to be something we're going to be talking about as a big part of why the team finished where they finished? Are they failing? Is their identity going to be failing to close out games when they have a lead? And I personally think that this team got lucky in this game that they they ended up winning. I mean that overtime was fantastic. We I'm gonna go was off such a good here. OT. Back and it forth. Really good one. It's it 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 beats the it beats the head that three on three overtime needs to be longer than five minutes, if it needs to, to to avoid going to shootouts more you know as often as they do. Like if you you could give me that injected into my my veins here, man, because unbelievable action back and forth, sitting on the edge of your seat. You're seeing great saves. You're yeah. seeing great defense great offensive displays and opportunities that you don't get to see in the normal 
five on five course of a game. Well, just just in general, like that was the best overtime I've seen in a while. And there's been like a little bit of a I don't want to use the term like a plague, but like overtime in general has been drawing some ire recently in the NHL because yeah. these players have been prioritizing puck possession over generating offensive chances. And that's resulting in players when they have a chance to force a two on one. If there's a little bit of fatigue, they would just turn around and go back into their own zone and reset. And they would only be like three shots for one team and two shots for the other one in overtime. And these players were almost just biding their time until the shootout. And this overtime was not that like this was mm-hmm. high octane Toronto had a few great chances. I watched, um, I watched Steve Dangles LFR after the game. And uh, it was so funny hearing him because he's out here. He's like, Oh, the, the Leafs were the better team in regulation. You know, they outshot the Bruins in the first. They outshot the Bruins in the second. They outshot the Bruins in the third. What the hell happened in overtime? And he's like, he's all pissed because mm-hmm. the Bruins literally had more shots in that overtime. They had 11 than they had in any period before. So the three on three opened up. And you'd imagine a team like Toronto would be really highly skilled the mm-hmm. less players they have on the ice. You know, they have those players. They have Nylander. They have Marner. They have Matthews. They have Riley. Tavares. Um, like, you yeah, have all that, these guys. That guy. Yeah, he was a big reason why the Bruins ended up being triumphant out there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, you're 100% right. That was a great overtime. And that's what the NHL was looking for when they implemented three-on-three overtime. Not that, you know, let's hit the reset button on every rush type situation. You, you hit that spot on. And – the players do prioritize. You'll see them leave the zone when they have possession in the zone because there's just not a better option for them to, to you know, keep pressing. And I think that while I want longer three on three overtime, they need to address that and they need to. I don't want to say whether they penalize a the team if they go if they take it out of the zone once they're in. How do you how do you regulate that? But something like that needs to come into the game to continue to give us overtimes like we saw on Saturday, because so, that is going to be great for the sport if they can continue that. What do you think? So there's been rumors of, especially with the, when we're going to touch on the board of governors meeting that's going on tonight. So we don't have too many details yet. It's going on, but there's some rumored agenda items, but something that was discussed is that the NHL is considering implementing for three and three overtime, like a shot clock type scenario. What do you think I mean, about that? That's that's an interesting way to go at it. But how do you determine when the clock resets? How do you determine when it changes over to the other team? Like you got puck battles. It's not as simple as like in basketball where you get possession of the ball. You have the ball. Like it's it's clear cut where in hockey you could be fighting and you could switch. It could switch multiple, multiple times. I I like the idea of maybe penalizing a team like once you're over the red line you can't go back like kind of like a backcourt if you want to compare it to basketball like a backcourt kind of thing where you can't go into the zone realize you you don't really have an ideal play and skate it all the way back to your your blue line to reset and get a change out and go forward like that so what that about be... what about implementing like a delay game penalty if you bring it into the offensive zone over the blue line and then you bring it back all the way across center ice that would be that's that would I think would be my ideal scenario as we yeah. speak today. Like yeah. I like that better than than a shot clock kind of kind of. Yeah, I agree. Like I don't want to overcomplicate things, and we don't need to introduce a whole new dynamic to hockey mm-hmm. that's not there before, right? Like hockey is a beautiful game, and it's it, in its you know essence 
relatively pure. We don't need a pitch clock. We don't need a shot clock. Mm -hmm. But um, I do agree with, you know, the re-implementation. I mean, let's look back in the history of hockey. We've had the two-line pass. Mm -hmm. So there's there's precedence for this sort of rule before, um, and it wouldn't be too alien. And then alternatively, if we don't want to go that radical and we don't want to change things so drastically, it would be pretty simple just to say, all right, so we start off with four on four for five minutes. Okay, nobody scores for that five. Let's go to three on three for five minutes. Okay, nobody scores there. Let's go to fucking two on two for five minutes. <laughs> that would be wild. That Can you would be imagine? Wild. That would I be would great. much rather to see an actual hockey goal, even if it's two on two and people will say, oh, that's not a hockey goal. It's not five on five or four on four or three, whatever. Like, but it would, at least it would be a goal during the run of play it would not be a penalty shot situation. Like, honestly, like we talked about this before. Penalty shots used to be an incredibly exciting thing and a rare thing that people would get stoked for when they saw it. But when the when the NHL introduced the shootout, the, the novelty of a penalty shot was diminished because it was almost like 15 to 20% of NHL games ended up in a shootout. So people would just kind of, okay, whatever. Like it's cool that the goal counted, but like if we could go ahead and do that, penalty shots would be like that whole scenario: skater yes. versus a goalie. It will be rare, and it will be a real treat to those fans that bought a ticket to go see that live. It 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 would just be amazing. I could not agree more. I'm I'm I was a big like in favor of the shootout guy when it first came out. You know in what 2005 i mean i was in high school when that happened but like even going a decade later i was like it's part of the game now i i it sees it it's it's got its point but when they made the change to overtime to go to three to three three on three you could see what kind of product you get when a team plays three on three in overtime and you get what we got saturday night where it's constant back and forth opportunities left and right fantastic saves exciting breakaways like every part of that i would much rather see that and it also brings in the fatigue factor which is what you kind of need to see when you're trying to close out a game which team is going to win the war of attrition who's gonna who's gonna be standing at the end when you're gassed you just played 65 minutes 66 67 minutes of hockey who's gonna be standing at the end and i think that is more worthy of a win than skating on a shootout on a break in a shootout on a breakaway against a goalie when you're skating two miles an hour the whole way down going with your stick handle back and forth back and forth back and forth and then bam making a shot at the end like i don't like that for for, for the goalie like, like it just it's not exciting anymore for me it's not it's not and i, and I agree like I, there was a problem with ties i hated when i was a young man i was a kid and my parents brought me to a bruins game and i was there and the game ended in a tie there's nothing more it's like like I, you get blue balls, like you don't know, right? <laughs> like you're sitting here, like I'm not satisfied with that. Like I'm, I'm not. I my hockey viewing experience has not reached its uh, climax, if you will. Um, and you just leave there. You're like, well, that's fucking dumb. Like it was tied before I walked into this game, right? It was zero zero when I walked in, and I'm walking out, and it's basically zero zero. Like could I be zero zero. <laughs> It could be, yeah. Like, I understand the premise of why the NHL decided to implement the shootout to, to be that differentiator. But I'll tell you what, if you give me five minutes of two-on-two, two, 
you're not going to have it. And whatever. Like, honestly, at that point, if neither team scores in a two-on-two scenario, like, you both deserve a fucking tie. Like, I don't even, you know, neither of you deserve to win at that point. So, uh, I mean, I'm even there with a three-on-three. You go 10 minutes of three-on-three, and there's a tie at the end of that, so be it. Like, if you can't, if you're, that means that your goalies and your defense are standing on their head in three-on-three overtime. Like, I want to see, I would much rather see that. And you can change the point, the point structure too. If, you know, you get three points for a regulation win, two for an overtime win, and one for a tie and none for a loss. Like something like that. You you could play with it. And, you know, again, not to cross sports, but like European soccer. And I, again, I understand the way people feel about like soccer in general in the country over here. But they more often than not draw. After what ninety minutes of running up and down the field, it's not so much uh, going to those games as it's not so much about the result, but it's about the experience of, of going to those games and seeing what these guys do. I would not hate for ties to be brought back in. I would rather a tie than a team going to a shootout and a guy again skating two miles an hour at the goalie, stick handling back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, bam, goal. Like I'd much rather a tie than a game decided by a. What is it? Is not that like a, game, a Kuznetsov a move? Doesn't that isn't that what he does? Yeah, I think Ugh. he's the player I'm thinking of. Like Ugh. something like that. Like don't. It's not exciting. It's not exciting for me. It's a massive advantage for the shooter at the end of the day, and it's it. You get a result where the score is three two, but your goalies both gave up two goals, and that's all they get charged with. Yeah. So like, and, and I acknowledge the fact that. I'm biased as a goaltender here, right? And I'm sure Burge probably won't acknowledge that, but he is, we are naturally biased as goaltenders here. But I think if somebody fucking came down on me like that and they were doing that stupid little... As they're skating a mile and a half an hour, I think I would diving poke check them. And they would probably score on me, but I would get the satisfaction of taking them out of the legs. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yep. It would be worth it to me. Like, Especially... I would even, like, especially a player like that, you know, is going to do it every single time you can have that ready to go. And mm-hmm. it, you're probably going to get it most more often. Than not, or if you take him down, he, he's not going to score. You take, hey, what him are out. you going to do? Are you going to call a tripping penalty on me in the shootout? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> like, do it, shoot it again. And then I'll do the same thing again. <laughs> let's just stop this. a goalie from doing like the, the Tim Thomas versus Daniel Sedin scenario. Yeah, He just comes final. out. Boom. Just fucking body check him. You're not going to give me a penalty. Like I'll get, I might get a sussy, but like yeah. I'll take a couple games yeah. off. But like, yeah. <laughs> I've never even thought about that. Can you imagine if somebody did that? Like that would be so fucking. I would funny. love it. I would inject it in my veins. It's going to be my quote for the quote for the, the, uh, the podcast today. Inject it. <laughs> inject it inject it um speaking of injecting it um not not the segue you're expecting i know but uh um <laughs> tristan jari with a goalie goal mm, yeah love it love it and the, in the black and gold even though you're a fake black and gold team it's good to see a black and gold goalie get a uh get a goalie goal at the nhl level there was another one didn't um nadelkovich get a goalie goal in the AHL early? Yeah, there wasn't I don't know who which goalie it was, but yeah, there was one that occurred in the uh in the AHL this year. I think it was also on the Penguins. Um Nadelkovich for the for the Wilkes Bear Scranton Penguins mm-hmm. against the Providence Bruins. Mm-hmm. Got the goalie goal. Yep. Um 
I mean, it's kind of like one of those Bigfoot scenarios. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever watched AHL TV, but like the <laughs> AHL video quality is such fucking garbage. So like, you're like trying to watch it. Oh, look at there's a goalie goal, and I feel like I'm watching like some of those like cryptid research videos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, is that is that Bigfoot? Like, what I can't really see with like the <laughs> negative fourteen pick. Oh, is that the Loch Ness monster? No, that's just a fish like jumping out of the water. Like. <laughs> But eventually, a decent, decent quality video did come out of it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it, it's it, it must be the year of the goalie goals, um, which is cool. We've have um, you know obviously Linus Allmark hit his last year. Jeremy Swayman came close mm-hmm. last year. I think he hit like on the apron of the net against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, but you had that interview with him and Linus. I think it was on What's Chaos, the new podcast yep. with Pete Blackburn and DJ Bean. But um, which is a great product, and and it's not like we're competing with them. So check that out. They Absolutely. do a really cool thing over there. Um, but uh, you know, Jeremy Swayman was like, "I'm gonna get one. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get it." <laughs> be great. It would be great if both of them both of them score. I mean, we went so long without seeing one. I mean, it's kind of a rare feat, and maybe it's gonna become a little bit more mainstream now with the, these goalies wanting to to rip it at the empty net. Well, I wonder, man, like. Do you think that clubs are going to start positioning themselves a little differently when they have an empty net just to kind of, because for the longest time, goalies wouldn't even try that. Yeah. Once the trapezoid, once the trapezoid came in when they kind of put the governor on Marty Brodeur there, that you haven't really seen many attempts at it. And now all of a sudden we're seeing all these attempts at it. Maybe it does, does change some strategy up. If it becomes a little bit more, you know, more of a forward thing, or you kind of game plan based on the goalie that you're, that you're playing against. If that's you true, that's true. You got a guy that's going back, out there taking a shot for it. Then you're going to, you're going to try to position somebody to defend against it. You're, you're hundred percent right. Because I mean, you think back like 10 years, right. And for some of our younger fans, you're, this isn't going to be really relevant to you, but you go back 10 years, you had Martin Broder who was really good about playing the puck. So a lot of those teams would, consider you know maybe we don't dump it in behind the net we don't send it around the boards you know you have players like marty turco you have players like mike smith these goalies were really good at coming out of the net going behind their their net and playing the puck and for a lot of the times you know unless your forecheck was on par like that goalie being able to move the puck was a big differentiator in a breakout and it caught a lot of teams um with their pants down and uh yeah i I wonder it's it'll be interesting to see and 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 that's the big thing too about the nhl right there are trends that emerge on a season by season basis and then coaches are reactive in nature right and they're copycats um you know if if, you know you have the proverbial if it ain't broke don't fix it right Mm -hmm. but until somebody comes in and they're a disruptor and they show you know, like think of uh, think of Guy Boucher's, you know, one three one with the Tampa Bay Lightning. A trap. How many fucking teams copied that after he had a very successful regular season with that? It was awful. It was like it was like the return of the the New Jersey Devils of the early two thousands again. It was just not great. But um, it'll be interesting to see if this continues to be a trend this year. Um, for a long time, their goalie goal was incredibly rare. Now we've had them in back to back NHL seasons. Um, just some stats on it. I mean, in the last decade, so we're going 20, go back to 2013. It's happened 
four times that were actual shots on goal. I'm not counting the own goals where the goalie gets credit for right, it right, because right. he was the last guy to touch the puck. But you had you have Jari this year, Linus Omark last year. You had Pekka Rene in 2020. Got it. And then Mike Smith was 2013. Before that, you're going back to 2001. So just right there, like from, from 20, whatever. 2020. There was a seven-year gap. Yep. 2013 to 2020. And then you said, what was it before? 2000, uh, 2002 was getting the Bakoff was the last shot on goal. Yeah, like listen yeah. to that shit. Like it is becoming more popular and prevalent. And I really wonder if if NHL teams and, and coaching staffs are going to start planning for that. Um, we're all over the place right now, which is good, which is normal with the two pad stack podcast. You guys know how we are at this point. Oh, yeah, we get Going on a topic flow. and we, yeah, exactly. We're we're just we're rolling with it. It's like, uh, if you ever watched um, Finding Nemo, like I'm crushed, it's like EAC, man, just yeah. go with it, yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> yep, um, if you can't tell, we're dads here, so uh, yep, watch that movie plenty of times, <laughs> oh, yeah, um. So back to the Bruins Leafs game. Um, great, great opponent that we're up against. Obviously, the Leafs are they have their own deficiencies. I feel like it's the same fucking story we've talked about for the last 15 years mm-hmm. with the Leafs being a really good offensive team, but they can't keep the puck out of their net. But the uh the Bruins have a two-nothing lead. Becomes two to one early in the third. Leafs fight. We already talked about this. Bruins give up a goal late. Leafs force OT. Great overtime. And then Honestly, Birch, who needed to score a goal more than Brad Marchand? No right one. Now. I don't no know. One. I don't think anybody. Yeah. I mean, it's great to see him get get on the score sheet. There was a fantastic play by Posternock to get the puck to the front of the net after his break. Yeah. Wall, Wall made a good save on that. Great save. And, and obviously, there was nobody back for the Leafs. I mean, they kind of left them out to dry there. But, I mean, opportunistic play in, at center ice from Brad Marchand there, too. I mean, William Nylander blew a tire all by himself back there, falls down. Martian happened to be right on him. Great setup to, you know, make the play and, you know, finish with the goal there. So great to see them finish that one out. I mean, they needed the two points desperately. Sucks that they gifted a point to Toronto, which, I mean, one point right now doesn't really seem like a whole heck of a lot, but who knows where that plays out down the road in March and April. Um, But, yeah. It was great to see him get that goal. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I got distracted on my phone. Um, <laughs> um, in the, was it the Toronto game that Beecher was sat down? I think it was. He was sat down in favor of. Uh, no, I think it was. Col- uh, I think it was Columbus, wasn't it? I think Beecher was back in the lineup for the Columbus game at Okay, home. but anyways. Okay. Um, yeah, Monty apparently wasn't stoked with the way that Johnny Beecher's been playing the last 10 games. Um, so he was out there in the media, and he said uh, that he he thought that Johnny Beecher kind of moved away from what was what, what made him successful and what made him earn that job as the fourth-line center, which, honestly, I'm not going to complain about. And, and sometimes a night up there in the Raptors looking at the game – is a good thing for a young player because, you know, we we may forget about this. You know, Johnny Beach, I think he's like 22, 23 years old. He's a little older, but he's still a rookie. This is still his first season in the NHL, and I'm not opposed to it. And he didn't stay up there. That's the biggest thing. Is And Bont, Mon, Monty, Jim Montgomery does a great job of, you know, teaching the kids when these rookies make a mistake, you know, sitting them down, telling them about it, telling them what they can do better and then throwing them right back out there. You know, 
Johnny Beecher did not stay up there for two games in the in the uh, press box. You know, he was back the very next game, and he was a he was a contributor. You didn't necessarily get a point, but he looked like he got the message. And I feel like that coaching was effective. It's something we did not see much out of with Bruce uh, with with Bruce Cassidy. I couldn't agree more. And let's not forget, like like you said, Johnny Beecher is a rookie. He 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 has not faced the grind of an eighty two game plus playoff NHL season yet. So like he does, he's going to need some rest, I think. And anytime you can get it for him, even if you're just doing it to send him a message and be like, Hey, go up there, take the night off. We're not, you're not where we want you to be. Watch the game. I mean, we'll go right back to you. And I think that that shows confidence in the kid and it doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't help let him stew on that for two, for too long. It's like, all right, night off. You don't got it go up there, take a break, and then love the fact that he put him right back in there. I think that's that's how you need to treat younger players. Agreed, agreed. And we've seen that with Matty Patra. He's made rookie mistakes, but he doesn't get stapled to the bench the entire game. He might miss a shift or two, but he's going right back out there. And you can see that that with, especially with Patra, that when he makes a mistake, it angers him. Mm-hmm. And he wants to do better not just for himself, but for his teammates. And the, and that's the passion I love to see. And I've also seen Matty Potra, like when a player like Brad Marchand gets taken advantage of or like a dirty hit, Potra's jumping in there. Like this love kid it. is like five foot 11 and maybe 180 pounds. Like I'm pretty sure like if I sneeze, the kid would fall over. Yep. But he's still jumping on people and grabbing on them and getting in the scrums. Like that's the stuff I love. So love it. Um, yeah, really happy with the kids so far this year and, and the way Monty's handling, um, you know, integrating them into the team. Um, in other news, there's some rumors about the draft being decentralized. Mm-hmm. Um, rumors of, you know, instead of having all of those tables on the arena floor and having the front office members of a NHL franchise go up on stage and announce the pick, transitioning to a little bit more of like a model that the uh, NFL uses. And the reason that they're citing is that they're not given enough time as a organization to plan and strategize adequately with the draft and then free agency right after that. Um, And then I'm sure that they're probably complaining about logistics and getting all of those people there at to a specific event and, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of um, merit to the current NHL draft style. Like, it's cool to, to be able to sell tickets to an arena and know that everyone that makes a decision that impacts these franchises is directly down below you. But I also understand it's 2023. We've all just gone through COVID, and we all have basically proven that we can, unless you're in, like, the trades, we can all do our jobs from home. Um so what, what's your take on the potential decentralization of the draft? I, I like, the, as somebody who's an avid follower of the NFL, I like the way the NFL does it. I really do. I mean, even if you're going to stick Gary Bettman up there to hand the kid the jersey, like, okay. Like, I don't want to see Bettman any more than I need to, let's be honest. But as long as the kid can have his moment, and it, it, it helps, it helps. I think it's a it'd be more important for the, for, for the players as well because like they're in the spotlight like that's their moment of their time to shine and you don't have these big names and all the all the team personnel and everybody there up front it, it is cool to see and you know as a spectator to be able to see all those guys on the stage and with everything i can understand why the teams want to do that and i i don't 
I don't personally have a problem problem with it. Um, like you said, it's 2023. We can all, I mean, look at us. We're in opposite sides of a state and we're having a podcast right now. We all have the ability to to communicate and have these this stuff done virtually. And I I think if it's going to help the product, help the NHL, you know, continue to to grow as a league, to grow and not be number four in the United States uh, for professional sports, I think that it is a good move. Now, you'll get the people saying, like, you like the way it is. We don't want to change it. But I, I understand the other side of the argument, and I personally don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you. Like, I think it's just going to be different for me. And I'm kind of excited to see maybe, like, with a company like TNT, if they could get their rights to it, mm-hmm. how they can really spin that up and make it a more enjoyable experience for the fans at home. Because that's really what matters most to me, right? I'm 100%. only going to buy tickets to a draft if it's in Boston. I'm not driving anywhere to go to, unless it's in like Nashville or Vegas, I guess would be kind of cool. But even then, you know, the vast majority of fans in the world are not going to be able to go to a draft and they're going to be watching it on TV. So let's, let's optimize what that experience Absolutely. is like. Absolutely. hundred percent. And if you can really sell it as an event, sell it as an, a TV event, I think it's going to, it would be great for the sport if they can somehow. And again, I'm not, I don't get paid millions by the NHL to come up with these ideas, but like come up with a way like the NFL does to turn it into a huge spectacle. Now, part of the NFL draft is stupid the way they drag it out. But like at the same time, there are the NHL already breaks it up into a couple of days. Why not just make it a bigger, a bigger product and a more marketable to a casual fan that's going to sit there and want to see who is my local team going to be drafted? 100%. Um, so we do have a lengthy interview coming up here soon. So we're going to wrap it up here shortly. There's one last topic that we're going to dive into before we do that interview. Um, and that's going to be, there's some rumors about the international tournament returning to North America next year in lieu of the Olympics. Um, rumors, when is the next winter Olympics supposed to be 2026? You know, I believe it just happened, didn't it? It was, um, it just happened. I, I remember watching it. It, uh, 2026. Yes. 2022 so, was when the last one was. Yep. And it's, it's in Europe, which is good. Um, so I do imagine that the, uh, NHL and the NHLPA, this has been a point of contention in the past, but I imagine that there's a, a very, uh, saturated interest in returning to, uh, to uh, Olympic ice hockey and allowing NHL players. So I'm optimistic for that. But in the interim, um, there are rumors of the World Cup of Hockey returning in a different format. And I'm not sure I agree with it. So the rumored format that the NHL is considering in all games would be right here in North America is a only a four-team tournament. Um, and those four teams would be composed of the United States, Canada, Sweden, in Finland. What's your thought on that, Bruce? Two little teams. Two, two, four is not enough. I mean, you have players from all over the world that play the sport of hockey, specifically over in Europe, that are not being represented here. Some of the world's best players come from these countries. The world's best. And to have them limit it so much to four teams and leaving out countries like the Czech Republic, like Slovakia. I'll even go with the elephant in the room, like Russia, like given everything that's going on politically with that, like leaving them out, you have 
some of the world's best players. One of the best players who's challenging for the all-time NHL goal-scoring record is from Russia, and you're telling me he can't play in this tournament? I don't. I'm curious how they're going to market it because if you're not going to market with these major major countries, Russia really comes to mind because that is a major market for hockey, a major producer of hockey players. And if the NHL isn't going to allow their players, which are widely represented across the NHL, to participate in this tournament, it's kind of like, well, then what's the point? We're not really getting the world's best here, like this international right. tournament. You're not getting the best. So what's what's the point? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to watch some more cool hockey with some of our players that we know, but you're not going to get the best. And I think that's a real problem. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you always want these tournaments to be best on best, right? And uh, when you're alienating a nation like that, and and like you said, political issues aside, like the, the Russian and Ukrainian conflict is not in its infancy anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that war is going on for over a year now, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's it, it's crazy and and it's not like we can in good faith act like all of these nhl players from russia are somehow involved in this like we can't we can't blame right. them anymore it's not their fault and right. it's it's literally you know discriminatory to not allow them to participate and i know a lot of people say oh you know that's the price of whatever whatever politics are ridiculous like anybody i'm not even gonna go down this road i'm not gonna say anything that gets me in trouble but like we can't we can't do this anymore let's go ahead and implement you know best on best allow the russian federation to have a hockey team and let them compete and let's just see the best on best that's all i want to say including countries like czech republic like i said like david pasternak like yeah slovakia like you're you got a lot of really really strong talent that you're leaving out and I, the I, other I, scandinavian countries denmark yeah. norway like switzerland you, you're gonna tell um he's oh my god yeah nico he's nino niederreiter like these are nhl players like he's one of the he's, best he's, young he's, players in the league he's one of the top young players in the league and you're gonna tell me you can't you're not gonna showcase him in this tournament it's just it just goes back. It's the same thing. Like the NHL, a lot of these times just can't get out of their own way when it comes to this, this stuff. And it's so frustrating because as somebody who's a has ingrained in hockey culture since I was a young kid, still in it, want to you know encourage that for my children. Like I want the sport to grow. I want it to continue to grow and get bigger. And they they always seem to neuter themselves. And it's just it's 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 just tough sometimes. It's not rocket surgery, guys. Why do you think the NFL makes so much money? They market and they build it. The, whether or not you agree with it or not, they build it in a way that attracts attention. And that's why they're they're king in, in the in the United States right now. Not the Absolutely. NHL. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and send you over to the uh, interview with Anthony uh, Giorgiades, the co-founder and CEO of Pastel Network right now, as we talk about the really cool Bob York collection project that they've got going on over there. So we'll send you over there right now. Enjoy it. All right. And we are here uh, with Anthony Georgiatis, co-founder of the Pastel Network. How are you doing today, Anthony? Doing well. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doing great. Doing great. Um, Really excited about this work that we're doing with you guys over at Pastel Network with the Bob York collection and the the 1444 collection. Um, If you don't know, Bob York is somebody that means a lot to me personally as a huge Bruins fan means a lot to Burge as well mm-hmm. I may be the only guy you talk to with a Bobby or tattoo on his arm so 
that's a big reason why we're really excited about working with you guys and, and kind of magnifying and amplifying the voice of this project. It's super exciting to us. hundred percent. Yeah. It's super exciting. Yeah. That, that, that's great. So, so I, I'm curious um, with the pastel network group over there, how did you guys get involved with Darren Orr and the Bob York collection? And, you know, were you guys involved at like the ground floor of this, like the inception of the idea or, or how did you guys get into it? Yeah, man. So I'll walk you through it. So, um, I guess just, you know, first off, super high level, you know, Pastel is a uh, software business that operates in the world of Web3. Uh, we develop uh, infrastructure solutions for a variety of the players out there, um, whether they're businesses, startups, you know, think gaming applications, uh, mm -hmm. think you know, fintech applications, things like that. We've also developed a really cool tool um, where we let creators and collectors build their own pieces of digital art or NFTs in the Web3 ecosystem without needing to know any coding or the complexity of the blockchain or all that stuff. We abstract it yeah. all away um, and we allow users to use this tool online, SmartMint, um, to go on and with basically a few drops of a button, you can start creating and you know trading and selling NFTs to the web. And so you know through this, I actually got connected with Paul Gerben, um, who is a... A mixed media artist. Um, he's been featured in Christie's. He's done collections for you know Jimmy Fallon, Pink, Barack Obama, Tommy Hilfiger. You know, you name it. Um, you know, these are some of his biggest collectors. He does a lot of like celebrity portraits, large scale sculpture work. Does a lot with athletes as well, um, which is pretty awesome. I saw a really cool piece with Julian Edelman in his collection. I really like that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got some really, really cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you do. As the uh, you, you, I assume you guys are all Boston, Boston diehard. Everything. Bruins oh, are yeah. on this year. As are the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm the the resident Boston Bruins guy. Burge really likes the Bruins as well. We're both goalies. To give you some context, we both play ice Me. hockey. We're both goalies. Mm -hmm. um, Burge knows a lot more about the NFL side of things than I do. But yeah, for the most part, uh, Boston diehards for sure. Absolutely. What the heck was up with that Pats game yesterday? I grew up in San Diego, so I always, I've always uh, been following the Chargers. Once they went to LA, I, you know, it was a bittersweet moment for me. Uh, that Chargers team is really interesting. I feel like if they're playing the Bills, the Bills are putting up forty nine, the Chargers will put up forty five. The Pats aren't scoring, you know, the Chargers aren't going to score, so they're really hard to watch in that respect. Um, I don't know if the Pats are, you know, if they're trying to basically, you know, nosedive and and pick up some. Um, uh, some picks here or what's going on, but that was, uh, yeah. that was tough. we're that was, embracing the tank and doing absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Us Patriots fans want to lose and seeing a six, nothing score in a football game is uh, you don't see that every day. So yeah. When the very, very interesting game. Scores, the football team on a day, that's uh it's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to, uh, to go on a tangent there, but yeah. No, so no, man. I love it. That's great. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, I so wanted to ask about about Paul. So, have you guys been working with Paul for a while? Is this like a, a new thing for the Bob York collection, or? Yeah, so Paul Paul has been basically, um, you know, as I mentioned, he's been a traditional artist for 15, 20, 25 years. Um, over the last couple of years, I actually got introduced to him um, through Clinique's son Scott, um, and basically, you know, Scott put me in touch with Paul um, and. You know, Paul had been looking to get involved in the NFT space. And Scott's like, oh, you guys are doing stuff with, you know, Smartman. You have really cool infrastructure. 
very secure, um, really kind of high-tech stuff, you know, maybe you can do something with Paul and then really work on a few collections together. We started to do a collection with Scott and things like that. And so we've been really working with Paul since day one. Paul's been become a good friend of mine, um, you know, really close buddy, just really great down-earth guy. And to me, this was super exciting because you, you know, you hear digital art, you hear NFTs, you think, you know, you hear all this stuff. Um, and there's not a lot of traditional contemporary artists that have come into the space um, so far. So, you know, when you see someone like that, that's really making an effort and to get in, you know, it's obviously exciting. That's, that's why we're doing what we're doing um, yeah. to begin with. And so I've, I've loved the stuff Paul's done. Um, you know, he's done a lot of kind of one of one, you know, unique pieces um, that have you know, been great. And we've helped him you know, get those off and deployed and, and listed and sold and whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, we've just been working closely with him on a lot of his, you know, digital art NFT stuff. Um, he's been working with Darren for a few years now. I'm not sure how they got connected. You know, Paul seems to know everyone. Um, so, he got, so he got connected with Darren somehow. Darren's a great dude, really like him. Um, and the impetus of all of this has really been, you know, obviously you guys know better than me, Bobby has a tremendous fandom. I mean, there's a Facebook group with like 50,000 people that just talk about Bobby Orr all day, which is wild. You know, I'm thinking like, who are these people, right? Um, he's made such a dent in terms me, of- I'm, his... I'm one of those people. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm too. one of those people. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, it's really cool, right? I mean, he's, I, I love hockey. Um, I'm a bandwagon Oilers fan because I just, I love the, the Gretzky era and then, you know, kind of his Messier, history, and, yeah. you know, um, hopefully the Oilers pick it up too. I mean, they're so fun to watch. Um, but yeah, so I mean, with, with Bobby, what was great is, you know, again, back to the same idea with Paul, trying someone in the you know traditional web two world jumping into the space. And Bobby has a massive fan base. You know, he has obviously a Facebook group of a ton of followers, um, he has an online e-commerce site with thousands of, you know, monthly clients and things like that. And he has a massive base of digital collectibles, memorabilia, things like that, and wanted to do something in the digital world. And so really what kind of came together was putting together a unique drop of digital collectible trading cards uh, that Paul would create in the likeness of Bobby, you know, some of the cards have like the famous diving photo and things like that. Yeah. And we basically, you know, list these cards for sale at a really low accessible price to get people, you know, there'll be a limited supply, but they'll be accessible with respect to, you know, the entry point and things like that. And really most of them for really his loyal fans. And if you get one of these cards, we're really attaching a lot of the kind of in real life physical utility to it as well. So that's huge too, Anthony. That's a big reason why I was willing. I really wanted to look at this. I've never purchased an NFT myself or mm -hmm. or any kind of digital, you know, trading asset. But the fact of the matter is that this is a wonderful entry point for people that are passionate fans of hockey, of the Boston Bruins, of sports that have always kind of heard of this, you know, mystical world of NFTs. Oh my gosh! But it's always been kind of something that's not within reach or grasp or easy to understand and the fact that this collection is tying something that's a passion for us and combining that with a very accessible price point it's a really compelling offer to people so that's why i'm super interested in it and and you were getting to the point that there's some things tied to 
that digital that the digital asset. So, what are some of those things that are, that that um, people that get involved can maybe expect to potentially um, receive as part of it? Yeah, I mean, so you know, first and foremost, if you get one of these cards, you know, you're going to be able to join basically the you know or fan club. So the broader whole construct here is you know we're calling it the or collection. The or collection is going to be a series of these kind of NFT drops. The first of which is this or deck, thousand four hundred forty four trading cards. That's what's coming out now. Um, and if you collect one of these cards, you're going to be able to go get access to really the, the digital or fan club, access to an exclusive Discord. You know, Bobby might drop in, um, you know, do AMAs, video chats, whatever it might be. You know, collectors of the cards are going to get access to really specific, unique experiences too. So a one-on-one Zoom call with Bobby. Bobby's going to take a group of fans to a Bruins game next year you know, with these collections. So you know, 10 of the 10 holders are going to go um, sit courtside at a game with him, um, you know, this season or next season. So things like that, that are really awesome. It's also going to get you really, we're going to be sending out care packages as well to a lot of the holders. These care packages are going to have signed memorabilia, you know, signed pucks, jerseys, things like that. Um, so really it's having kind of the quote unquote digital NFT as being almost this key of sorts into this broader community with both physical utility as well as that access to those exclusive communities and whatnot. Super excited about it. I mean, it's, um, to me, you know, to your point, there's so many NFTs out there. They're so abstract. You know, what is this? What, what does it do? Why do I have it? Um, you know, some communities have done a good job tying these things together. I'd say a lot have fallen short. I really like this because there's a very clear use case of bridging together a lot of yeah, that sports fandom. Absolutely. There's more utility, if you will. So Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, Another thing that I heard that that made it super interesting for me is that, um, like I've said, it's been difficult for some people to understand how they can even acquire NFTs in the past. You know, you have to go out and somehow turn your money into cryptocurrency and then use cryptocurrency in a wallet. And then there's a lot of intricate parts. And I hear that Pastel Network has a way of changing that and making it easier and they can use... You know, people can use just a credit card to purchase these. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's one of the biggest things too. The access to the Web3 world, it's still new. It's still nascent. I mean, you got to go buy crypto, get it to a wallet, do all this stuff with it. It's confusing and complicated. Um, our vision, and it's not going to be today. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be next year even, <clears throat> is that we don't even say NFT. That's just like the technology standard that powers a lot of these applications um and so my point is we're trying to do things today that really start to pave the framework for that one of which is having you know this collection we're partnering with a company moonpay which allows you to basically just you know create a quick moonpay account um you know just adding email password etc add your credit card details and then they help you know, effectively acquire it for you. They all do they, they do all the fancy stuff in the back end. All you got to worry about is I want to pay 10 bucks, buy this thing as I would buying, you know, a widget on Amazon or buying yeah. a ticket to a Bruins game or whatever it might be. Yeah, and that's that makes it so much easier. Like I said, it, it removes those obstacles and it, it's definitely super appealing. Um, and, and in case anybody that's listening doesn't know, there is already a really robust community um around the bobby or collection you can go on their web page and when we are releasing this episode we will be able to share the url for you guys to go on and take a look and you know join the uh 
the advanced what, what is the term that we're using right now anthony i don't want to use the wrong terminology what can they sign up for today so they can sign up basically for i'll walk you kind of through real quick so there's a thousand and forty four hundred forty four of these you know quote unquote um nfts available these trading cards so what you can do is you're gonna is that beer or cold brew oh it's not cold brew man i'm i'm, I'm ripping down a lager from the brewery i work at on the weekend oh nice <laughs> the lager is out. uh it's a gonic proper lager so it's um it's a, it's a pale american lager it's uh it's five o'clock here i'm good no i know absolutely i'm a big pale guy myself um you know there's a there's threes brewing i don't know if you're familiar with that they they have this um Vliet, uh, this Pilsner that's so good. Might be the best Pilsner oh, yeah. I've had. You got to check it out. It's like a, I heard once, you own a brewery, so you might know this. Um, you probably know it, but um, the best way to assess how good a brewery is, is based off of the quality of their Pilsner. You know, because with pale ales and IPAs and things like that, you know, you can throw a bunch of malts at it and kind of, you know, hide a lot of the, the mm-hmm. flavor. But- you're, you're 100% right. Yeah. But pilsners are really, really hard to brew, and yeah. you can tell a bad pilsner from a good pilsner very easily. Um, our pilsner, I like our pilsner a lot, but uh, I definitely, I definitely am a lager guy first and foremost. What's the name of the brewery? So it's a it's a small brewery here in Rochester, New Hampshire. We're a five barrel shop. It's called Backhill Beer. Nice. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, man. Nice. If you're ever in New England, pop by. We're a, we're a real small microbrewery. Beautiful. Love it. Maybe we'll throw some beers into the uh, care packages. Yeah, maybe we could work something out like that for sure. That sounds like a great care package right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you got Burgess, you got Burgess attention now for sure. <laughs> see, see, I'm, I'm, I'm an IPA guy, so I, that's that's what I go with. I like the ton, doubles and the triples. I like the doubles and the triples. Juicy, juicy New England IPAs here. And we... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're we're off and left field right now, but that's okay. We're cool. <laughs> I like talking about beer too. Um, we're we're actually hosting a uh, Boston Bruins watch party later on in uh, in the brewery in in January. So we'll have some uh, discounted brews for our listeners, and maybe Anthony will come out. Where, where are you based out of, Anthony? I'm in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not too far of a drive. It'll only be like no. eight hours to get here or whatever. I don't know. Nice. It, it's yeah. gonna be uh it's gonna be like an hour and a half for Burge and he's already complaining about that. So oh, get out of here. <laughs> Burge, where are you at? Are you in Boston? I, I am I'm in Nashville, New Hampshire, so I'm just right up the uh right up the edge, uh, right up from Boston, forty five minutes, not far from where from where Ace lives here. So we're actually local guys. Nice. Yeah, I live in gorgeous. Uh, I live an hour and a half north of Boston. I live in Rochester, New Hampshire. So nice. Big fan, but it's close enough. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about New England, right? You have everything right here. You know, you've got the ocean, you've got lakes, you've got the city life, you got the rural life, you got woods, you got mountains, you get four distinct mm-hmm. seasons. I never thought I knew how much, like, like I, I, I thought that I knew everything about New Hampshire until I almost moved to Arizona. And when I was in Arizona, I was like, I never realized how much I love trees. Yeah, <laughs> like, you just you take that for granted living here. Like, it's. Oh, everything's all gray and like brown and there's no trees. It's awful down there. And oh, and I don't care. They say, oh, you know, it's it's a dry heat. Buddy, it's 110 degrees in April. <laughs> I don't care how dry the heat is. Like, I'm dying. You see how white I am? Like, I can't deal with this fucking shit. It's awful. Dude, you're so right. I was telling you, I'm from San Diego and it's um obviously San Diego's gorgeous, but sometimes it's it's like groundhog day. You wake up every day, it's you know, 68, 72 and sunny i mean it sounds great but 
I'm, it's the middle of winter. It's the middle of fall. You know, I want a, a little bit of a spice up with the seasons. I, I love the East Coast. It's difficult to think about, you know, even going back and, and leaving this place. Um, but yeah, no, what, no, when it's like when it's like negative 10 degrees out, I think I'll take some of that San Diego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, you know, you're asking about how to sign up. So um, basically there's 1,444 of these cards. And what we're doing right now is we're basically allowing users the ability to go on and, and get early access or whitelist. And the way that these NFT drops work is it's typically, you know, kind of on a first come first serve basis. What we're doing is we're allowing users to sign up now through um, December 14th and basically just go to bobbyor.io, the website, sign up for early access. We're going to be taking a thousand users, loyal fans, listeners of this podcast, things like that. And we're going to give them guaranteed access. So we'll take a thousand users and we'll say, hey, you have guaranteed access to go and acquire one of these digital trading cards before this you know, first come first serve sale. Um, and they'll have a few days to do so. So the best way to go about this right now is, you know, again, go to bobbyor.io, um, sign up for early access. Uh, I think what we'll do with you guys as well for, for your listeners is we'll create, you know, a unique um, identifier for the referral link and they'll be able to sign up and we'll give a few slots away for sure. Um, but that's, that's basically it. Uh, once you sign up, we, we send email correspondence, keep them posted with regards to current drop, future drop. You know, there's going to be more things coming down the woodworks as well. Uh, yeah. We'll be, basically be doing, you know, special edition one-of-one drops. We'll have a lot of physical memorabilia tied to it as well. You know, we'll have basically like these cool sculpture type things of sorts where, you know, we'll do a drop, let's say in a few months where a user can, you know, buy one of these NFTs, they acquire it, they can effectively claim a you know a sculpture of like the diving photo and things like that so yeah there's a lot of good stuff happening um so i definitely encourage the listeners to you know obviously start following what we're up to um you know get involved follow us on twitter bobby or collection um where we post obviously the latest and greatest on everything or yeah it, and it's super cool like they've got more than just a website too guys like i've already joined their discord server and there's a lot of these, I apologize in advance, Anthony, a lot of these crypto uh, NFT nerds that know nothing about hockey. And there's trivia in there about Bobby Orr. And I have walked in there and kicked their ass like multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> All these guys are like, how do you know this? I was like, how do you not know this? He's like, well, I don't speak English and I'm having to translate the language into English and then Google search the question. I was like, you should know this. Like, this is Bobby Orr basic stuff. So definitely take a peek. Uh, we'll be sharing the links to the website and our socials. We'll be sharing the links to the Discord server. Um, come join me. Make it harder for me because I'm, I need some challenge here, guys, uh, on these uh, the trivia questions. So if I get one more, uh, how many Stanley Cups did Bob Yor win with the Boston Bruins questions? And I'm sitting there. I was literally, I was giving myself a handicap. I'm sitting here. I'm like, all right, I'm going to give him 10 seconds before I say two. eight seven six and these guys are just writing down random numbers it's like all right here we go okay i can't wait any longer too and then they all got mad at me they're like you cheated i I love it man i'm the only one that got the supporter role in the discord server now because i whipped them all in uh i whipped them all in uh that's great 
I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. It's really cool, though. I mean, you know, it's a it's a totally new community. You know, it's kind of bridging both of those worlds, and it's yeah. Exciting. That's what I love too, man. Because I've always tried to tell people. I mean, there's been a period of time where the Boston Bruins and hockey itself haven't been the most popular sport in New England, right? I have always been hockey first and foremost. I know that may not be a surprise in the short 15 minutes that we've talked, Anthony. But um, you know, if we can use this as an opportunity to bring more people in the world into the world of hockey and show them what a great sport it is by using Bobby Orr's message, like that's a win for me. And if we can bring more Bruins fans into it too killing two birds with one stone i love it love i love that. how i love how the how it's going to help the sport grow and that, that's a big thing like you, you think hockey in in the in north america here and you think it's the number four sport like it's the least it gets the least amount of coverage on media and everything so if we can get stuff like this using the greatest defenseman of all time as a platform to kind of transition that or bridge that gap i think it's an unbelievable thing especially how easy you guys are making it Hundred percent, dude. Hundred percent. I mean, and that's the idea, right? And this is basically what we hope is the vision of of what all this looks like in the next few years. You know, everyone, whether you're you know Tom Brady or Julian Edelman or whatever it is, you can create one of these collections super easy and and start to really build a community around you know your fan base and give back to people who have been loyal supporters and followers since day one. And that's a big thing that I've heard about this collection is that Bobby, you know, Bobby's not somebody that always wants to be in the limelight. He he likes his privacy. There's a reason why Bobby Orr doesn't live in New England anymore. If you guys don't know, Bobby's over in Florida, like the rest of the snowbirds. Like he got out of here because he likes to live that private life, but he also doesn't want to, you know, ignore all of the people that really do appreciate what he did and really idolize and adore him and that's why he's doing something like this is to give back to the community and that's something that we really appreciate so 100 percent, cool um i think this has been a great conversation i appreciate you jumping on and telling the story about the uh the 1444 drop in the bob york collection um really excited i myself am going to purchase one it's going to be my first nft um, I won't speak for Burge, but I'm going to pressure him to purchase. I'm one. going to as well. I'm going to as well. Already planning on it. So Love we're, it. We're Love looking it. forward to it, and we'll be part of that. Uh, you know, first drop and wave, and we really hope some of our listeners see uh, a lot of the value in it and, and join us as well on that on that journey. I hope so too, man. I mean, it sounds. I mean, I'm I'm super stoked for this, and you know, like I said, it's the first of many to come. We're just getting started. <clears throat> absolutely well as more news comes out guys um the two pad stack will do our best to uh you know bring that to you guys and keep you guys updated on what we, we're learning and you know what the bobby or collection is doing and uh yeah thanks again anthony for joining us and uh we'll uh we'll catch you next time yeah, thanks awesome. again for coming thanks on man guys. fantastic all right, that was a great interview with Anthony. Um, definitely, guys, check it out. We're going to put out some content on our socials with links to join the Discord, to sign up for the whitelist, everything like that. Um, it was really cool. Like like we said in the interview, you know, Burge and I, we don't know shit about this stuff yet. So this mm -hmm. is a learning experience for us. But it's a great way for, for any type of, uh, you know, Boston Bruins fan, hockey fan in general, to maybe enter this arena. And it's a good opportunity. Uh, what, what did you think about it? I, I'm I'm amazed at how how simple the process seems to be, and I'm very excited to see where this thing goes. Obviously, I, we, we're Bruins fans. We're big fans of Bobby Orr, so seeing any kind of content coming from him is fantastic, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. Uh, I'm in the Discord. I'm already signed up for the early access, so 
make sure you guys get on it. It's going to be a great thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, we'll be breaking down the games from this week on next, next week's episode. Um, probably be talking about a little bit of uh, nerdy shit on next week's side of things. We don't talk a little sim hockey, talk a little bit of GTA six, which by the way, Burge, it dropped early. The trailer um, it's oh. live now. So go take a peek at that when we're done recording. Oh, hell and, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch you all next week. Appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the two pad stack. Uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great week. Peace. Peace.